Hi everyone, welcome to episode 31 of Get Out of Rap. Today I'm talking to Trevor Butterworth, who I'm sure is very well known to you. He's a prominent figure in the industry, he's founder and CEO of the UK Contact Centre Forum. And we have a chat about some recent research the forum have done on homeworking and various other topics. So hope you enjoy. Hi, Trevor. Trevor. Hi, Trevor. Hey. <laughs> yeah, we made it. <laughs> <laughs> I can't we... believe it. I'm Hello, good, thanks. We you? finally got everything to work. We did, we did, yeah. Sorry, probably my mistake this end, to be honest with you. I'm so IT illiterate, it is unbelievable. And you wouldn't believe it, for about nine years, I used to be a computer <laughs> operator many, many years ago, um, running big mainframe, big ICL mainframes in those days, and uh, I can't even work my phone now. <laughs> well, we're all being challenged at the moment with technology, aren't we? So, Oh, tell me about it. Yeah. But how yeah, are you? Are you okay? Good, thanks. Thanks for your patience as well. It's, um, you know, trying to juggle doing this with normal work. It's, uh, you know, there's a lot going on, but all good. I'm, fr- I'm really pleased we've got yeah. the opportunity to do this. Yeah, me too, actually. Me too. And my uh, little pet subjects is yes, like homeworking, well, uh, which is something I'm really passionate and, you know, really pleased about what's happening in that well, sector. Well, yeah, great. And we can... Let's let's chat about that in a sec. But so, first of all, you're the founder and CEO of the UK Contact Centre Forum. Um, for right. those people that might not be fully aware of everything about yourself and also the UK CCF, what's your kind of history within contact centres then? Uh, Well, personally, I come from a recruitment background into contact centres. I was involved for, oh, crikey, 26 years in recruitment, and I've got the grey hairs to prove it. Um, And the last 10 years of that were involved in help desk and contact centre recruitment, everything from advisor right through to director level. Wow. And then what what was the transition from there to, was it straight from that to the uh, UK CCF or...? It was, yeah. I after after twenty six years, I uh, got a little bit bored, fed up with recruitment, and wanted a new challenge. And um, I'd been to a, a few user group sessions and really enjoyed them with other regions. Uh, and uh, thought, well, look, this would be a great idea. My wife said, well, why don't you go for it? So we uh, set up the user group. We just did one region to start with, which was the southeast. Uh, a year later, we expanded into London another year, the Midlands, and so on. We're up to nine regions now and uh, looking at more. So we're gradually getting uh, getting full coverage of the UK. And I, you know, I, for one, I've not just where I am now, but in previous companies have seen the, the benefits of kind of attending events and workshops and sharing best practice. What What is it, in a, in a nutshell, that kind of members gain from being part of the organisation? I think it's uh, best practice. It's understanding uh, what's going on in the marketplace, not just in their own individual business, but what are their competitors? What are other organisations doing in different sectors where they're doing some great innovative things, sometimes with next to no money as well, that they can pull into the business to help their customer experience and to help their, their people, you know, make life for the frontline advisors 
uh, as easy as possible compared to a lot of uh, feedback we get from sites where they're looking at 10 screens, get that down to one or mm. two if they can. It's just making life easier for the customers and for their employees. Yeah, and I think that's something that uh, maybe once you've realised that people are willing to share and you provide the kind of the, the format and the conduit for people to come together see what other people are doing. And as much as it's about sharing best practice, sometimes it's just nice to know that you're not alone in the challenges that are being faced. Yeah, and of course, it's, it's making an environment where they feel safe and comfortable, where they know they can talk openly and honestly about their experiences, but also not in an environment where they're going to have salesmen jumping on them, giving them business cards and pushing mm. them for things. So we have a strict no selling policy at all of our events that we run and it works well people feel comfortable and i'm pleased to say they keep coming back to uh for more sessions and covering different topics and as of well. course you've um you've got the awards as well yes yeah we run an annual awards program it's uh grown considerably i think the very first year we did it eight years ago now i think we had about 120 people join us which i was really really pleased about and the one we ran last year we were up to just under 500 so each year it gets bigger and bigger i'm pleased to say we have our our regulars come back year for, uh, for what they've achieved during that year but each year we're getting new organizations getting involved and um once again seem to enjoy the process and they definitely enjoy the uh the meal at the evening zone, the party atmosphere. Definitely. Well, I still have proudly <laughs> proudly displayed in my office. Um, I was lucky enough to win. It must have been the first year then. It was 2012. I won contact centre of the, of the year. So, yeah, I, I'm That's <laughs> not just because yeah. of that, but I, I'm a big fan of um, that, that process and what you guys do. Yeah, you were our first uh, manager of the year to win. So, uh, so you've got that accolade. <laughs> the standard's <laughs> gone up since then. <laughs> well, funny you should mention that. <laughs> you've got to start no, somewhere. Of course not. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <Don't wait> <laughs> so we we were talking about um, doing this podcast, and you know, to hear from you. But one of the reasons was, especially at the moment, you guys have been doing quite an extensive survey into an area that I know a lot of people are having to experience for the first time and are certainly interested in, and that's homeworking. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yes. Um, we've done two sets of research now. We did one, our first one in 2016, and then we've just updated that this year with our latest research. For us, homeworking has always been an important part of the user group. For the last six, seven years, we've been running what we call homeworking special interest groups, pulling together organisations that have a homeworking strategy in place. So people like the Enterprise Rent-A-Cars, Carnival UK, uh, people like that, at the AA, for example, and organisations that are thinking about it but haven't a clue where to start. Uh, and I've got so many questions to ask because it's such a, a new area for them. And bringing them together and allowing them to talk and ask those questions. So we always make time for people to ask the questions of the more experienced operators in the room. How do you do this? How do you do that? Would you do this again? Oh no, definitely wouldn't do that. This is the right way forward. And we always try and bring a case study. So uh, one of the sessions we ran was with the AA 
in uh, their Birmingham contact centre uh, in Albury. And uh, they talked in great detail about their journey because they've been doing homeworking now for over 21 wow. years. So they're well experienced at it. But they, have, they still have a mixture mm. of uh, an actual physical contact centre as well as a homeworking strategy. Because obviously in their business, they need to keep going regardless of the weather. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's when the weather gets really bad, their call volumes go through the roof. So they've got to provide that support. So you, so from the research, and uh, when was the most recent one conducted? Literally, we did it uh, the beginning of this year. And we produced the final report, which is available for everybody, uh, three weeks ago. So it, it really is still hot off the press and we're starting to email people the report so they can have a look at it for themselves. And to people listening, how would, they be, where, how would they be able to access that? In various ways, if you go onto the UKCCF website, you'll see a research section. Uh, click on there and input your details and we'll send you the report within 24 hours or they can contact me direct and I'll make sure that uh, I'll send them the report. But uh, it is available for everybody in the industry, whether you have a homeworking strategy or not. And what kind of what were the kind of key standouts for you? Um, was there anything that maybe surprised you, or was there what have the, what have you seen from that research? Well, I think uh, lots of things, especially around the age group, we found that seventy five percent of home agents are aged thirty five or, or older. Um, and 61% um, have over 10 years' experience in customer contact centre wow. roles. So they're able to tap into a new labour market, and they can obviously tap into a market anywhere in the mm. country. Uh, so obviously, um, you know, if you are based, as in one of our members is based in Hampshire, uh, they've got contact centre advisors working mm. in Scotland. They've actually got people that they've recruited virtually, they train virtually and they've never met, but yet their performance is excellent. And that's great, isn't it? I mean, you think about that level of experience and also, I guess, for that demographic, life skills lend themselves to empathy, don't they? That's right. And it's that work-life balance as well. The fact that they, in some cases, can pick and choose what hours they want to work. So if they want to do something in the morning, like take the children to school, they can do so, come back half nine, log on. They're working till 3.30, pick the children up, back, log on again. So it gives that work-life balance. That, so they're there constantly. And, of course, obviously, it's, it's a, a massive cost-saving for the advisors mm. as well. You know, the fact they haven't got the time, the money in getting to and from work. So there's so many advantages to it. Do you, do you find that um, with that flexibility, how have people responded or how what do you see as people or companies being able to still let still give that level of flexibility but manage from a kind of resource planning point of view what are the challenges there well it, it depends i mean obviously certain companies operate in different ways so for example we've got some of our members where they actually set the times that people are working so they find out from them what hours are you available and they will give them a rotor for that month so you know what hours you're working. There's other organisations say, look, here's the hours we need covering. It's there. First come, first serve. What hours would you like to work? Uh, so it does give people the flexibility 
to work the hours that really do suit suit their work life balance. And that's interesting, isn't it? So, it, I imagine with your with the companies you've got as members, you've got some like you say that have been doing it for over twenty years, have gone got all the learnings. For those that I guess, and this is so relevant now, have had to either scramble to get home working in place because of uh, lockdown. Or those that um, are thinking, we've got some, but we need to expand it. And maybe where this goes is a hybrid model. What are the questions that you often hear companies asking those that maybe have been doing it for a while? What are the main sort of headings? I think one of them is, the first one is technology. Mm. Have we got the right technology to support a homeworking strategy? Bearing in mind, these people could be based uh, quite a while away from the office. I think the second one is security, especially if they're accessing customer data. The other one is managing them. Is, there's, that old, there's that old perception, well, I can't see them, so I don't know what they're doing. But there are ways of doing that. And then I think the other one is the environment. Actually, at the advisor's home, is the environment right for me to be on the phone to customers? You know, do I have children in the background? Do I have pets? Um, those sort of things. Uh, and making sure you've got the right working environment, as in furniture, PCs, etc. And did you, um, I guess in that case, there's a lot of, there needs to be a close working relationship between operations, HR and IT? Yeah, very much so. Yeah, they need to look at your bandwidth. Uh, all these sort of things to make sure that you can support homeworking. And also then you've got the question, does the company supply the hardware mm-hmm. as well? You know, the PC, the laptop, or does the advisor provide that? Now, we've got um, different views within the group. We've got some companies that supply everything, the PC, the laptop, everything. Then we've got other companies that say, no, it's bring your own mm-hmm. device. And their, their thought logic on that is, if the company provide the hardware and something goes wrong with it, it's not the advisor's fault or problem. They will then sit there thinking, well, look, I'm going to get paid. Uh, it's not my fault. It's a company computer. They'll get someone else to fix it at the moment. That's it. However, if you have your own device and it falls over, it's then your responsibility to get that piece of kit fixed and up and running till you get back to work. So then the emphasis is on you to get that device fixed. Mm. And where do you um, where do you stand on kind of some of the, the the changes that you've seen from the first bit of research to the second? Has there been anything that surprised you? Um, yeah, I think in the uptake of contact centres, the fact in implementing a homeworking strategy, there are more and more organisations before the lockdown who were looking at it and were starting to run pilot program projects to see how this works you know getting five people working from home and then to see how it works now obviously with the pandemic it forced a lot of companies pretty much mm. all of them to implement overnight a home working strategy and that in some cases meant them allowing the advisors back in sight to literally pick up their pc their keyboard, their mouse and server, take it out the building and set it up and run it from home. So these contact centres now just have empty desks um, and their advisors are working from home. Others went out and purchased 
laptops for them so they could be connected into the system and start running. Uh, but the initial uptake has been phenomenal. The amount of companies before the pandemic that were looking at it has increased dramatically. And with your um, your own experience, the kind of the corporate experience that you have at the UK CCF and the and what your members are saying, where do you think we're, how will this affect our industry long-term? Where do you think we're going with this? Well, I definitely think, uh, I genuinely believe this, that there are going to be so many companies implementing a home working strategy. We've already been talking to a number of our members who didn't have a home working strategy, were so anti-home working, it was unbelievable. They've been forced into it and the amount of positive feedback I'm getting from people saying, our oh, people love it, our productivity's up, our employee engagement's up, our customers are happy, we're getting more uh, uh, attendance, everything. Six, sickness is down. It's so positive. So we're going to see a lot of the organisations now adopting this because we obviously never know when this type of situation may happen mm. again. Also, it's got in business continuity. Mm. So even if you're denied access to your building for whatever reason, it could be nothing to do with you, you can very quickly switch over to homeworking uh, to support your customers. I think for all of us, this is probably, other than snow, when there's been heavy kind of snowfall that has prevented people coming in, it's probably the first time, certainly I can remember, where a disaster recovery or business continuity plan other than just being a theoretical process policy document, has actually become real. Yeah, exactly. exactly. It's, been a, it's been a big wake-up call for a lot of companies mm. um, in how they can run their businesses. The fact that they've got, in some cases, some quite big office complex, complexes, and they just don't need them now. Um, they don't need to have that much office space when they can actually have not just the contact centre, but other parts of the business working from home and people thoroughly enjoying it. I honestly believe going forward, there will be employees who will look for organisations that offer a home working strategy and they will want to work for those companies because we've been in lockdown so long now. People have got so used to working from home and enjoying that balance um, that they're going to want to carry that on. No, it's not going to be the same for everybody. There are people out there who are itching to get back into the contact centre, itching to get back into uh, their little groups and, you know, have some yeah. fun. But it's it's not going to be for everybody. Do you think the – or are your members talking – do you get any sense of whether this – because we're – whether you're an advisor or support or manager or a customer, we're all experiencing the same thing together – do you get any sense on whether this has had any impact on the level of service between our industry and the customers we we serve? Uh, yes, we've been getting really good positive feedback from a lot of our members and non-members that have implemented home working, saying that you know the the, the 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 stats are just going through the roof. You know, customer satisfaction is there. Compliments are coming in. People are feeling more relaxed when they take the call and deal with the customer, which makes the customer more relaxed, enjoyable experience for them. So, yeah, definitely. definitely. That's fascinating, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. But all good for the business. Yes, yeah, definitely. Do you think some of it is because customers um, 
appreciate the fact that because some, you know, you trying to access anything, I was in the middle, I was moving house at the start of lockdown and you, there were a few days when all of the utilities and people like that, their websites were like, look, we, we're just trying to get things set up. So bear with us. Do you think there's been some of this is as customers, we are, we're a bit more patient ourselves. So I think because we're in such uncharted waters with everything that's been going on over the last three, four months, people are being more uh, accommodating, but they still want answers to questions. You know, you still get customers saying, you know, what's the, why have you invoiced me this for my account or why have you done this? They still want to get answers. But as you say, all sectors have been affected by this. I've been phoning a lot of public sector and they're just mm. closed. Um, and then when you do get through to someone, they're all working mm. from home. Sometimes you get, oh, I'm really sorry, I am working from home. I don't have access on my system to that piece of information because I'm here. And people accept that. I mean, I, you know, that I don't think that's a big issue. I think people have been more accommodating to the advisors, but they still want their answers. They still want to get answers to their questions. Exactly. We we live in this kind of we in our industry we've been talking about omni channel, you know, that that followed multi channel, omni channel world that we're in. But there's still been that kind of 60% still telephony. Do you think um, this this crisis and the implications will have a, a bearing on the makeup and the mix in the in our omni-channel environments? Do you think there's still going to be in the same level of telephony or will more move to web chat? Do you get any sense from that from your members? Um, telephone communication will still be there and it will still still be a big chunk of the contact center you've got to look at the demographics it's how people want to commute communicate with you i mean yeah if you want to sit here and do a web chat and you're doing other things that's fine but at the end of the day i think people really still like to phone mm. people talk to people um get the confidence from someone yes mr butterworth I've got that account gonna do that for you now it's done yeah. And then walk away when you key it in and, it's, and then it's, oh, well, we never got that message. Mm. You, you, you know, you've got a point of reference. So what is the advisor's name? You've got it. You can say, well, I spoke to Joe Smith. He said he was going to do this. Oh yeah, Joe, let's check. Oh, just check his notes. Yeah. Oh yeah. He's done it for you. Yeah. No, that sort of thing. Whereas I think with technology for a certain generation is fine, but for majority of people, I still think they, uh, they actually want to talk. Well, to in people. that, in that example you've given, I guess the thing there is the, the tone of, of confidence in the advisor comes across far more readily than if you were reading it. it you'd go, you would go away from that interaction as a customer going, yeah, this person's dealt with it for me, wouldn't you? Yeah, exactly. And of course, you've also got the opportunity to cross-selling, upselling when you're talking to someone. You can put something up on a screen. Oh, would you like to do that? No, yeah. I don't do that. I'm off. You know, but when you're talking to someone, you've got their attention uh, then there is a, a different conversation to be had. You, you touched upon something earlier around people wanting to get back. And, you know, in our com the company I'm at now, where um, we are regularly, weekly surveying our, sending out pulse surveys to our guys specifically around how they're doing, what their thoughts are, what their requirements are for a return to the office um, when it's safe to do so. One of the things that comes up, and you mentioned it, was around just the kind of the fun element, human interaction, 
being part of a group is is that reflected in either your research or your conversations and if so how how are people kind of looking to broach that given that a large percentage of their workforce you would think is still is always is going to be at home now yeah i mean there's going to be a blend they'll always have their actual bricks and mortar and they'll have a portion i don't know how many working from home um but um engagement is good uh, there are various ways of doing that. Uh, one of the companies we, uh, as our members on their screen, have three smiley face or three faces. And they have um, uh, a green, which is very happy, big smiley face, uh, a yellow, which is like a straight line for the face, and then red, and, the, and it going in like in the U shape, their, their mouth. And they click on that, and straight away, a supervisor or manager can come on and say, Okay, Trev, what's the problem? Are you yeah. okay? Uh, and I'm feeling a bit like then there's other ways, as you mentioned, where you guys are, for example, sending out messages once a week. Hi, is everyone all right? How are you doing? Is anything good? Any problems? Any issues? How's things going? That sort of thing. There's various ways of doing that. Um, and I think it's companies have to focus on that to make sure they have got the engagement of their, their staff, their teams when they are working remotely, make them feel part of the team. And there are lots of virtual things you can do to make them feel as they are part of that team, even though they could be working 60, 70, 80 miles away from where you're actually based. Mm. And I think it's those, it's the non-work time that's important, isn't it? The kind of, you can still be creative and have fun and create that esprit to call with people, even if they are, even if they are remote. And I think this pandemic is kind of, it's it's forced us all to be creative, but we are aren't we're not a we are are we not a creative industry? Oh, absolutely! Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, and there are various ways of doing it. I mean, at our networking events, people run monthly quizzes, get everybody on the line outside. They actually get pizzas delivered to their homes, so they've got all their advisors. Right. They get a pizza delivered. Um, that they ice cream, things like that. And then at half six, seven o'clock, they'll get on the phone for a half hour, hour, have a quiz and just bring everyone together on Zoom or, or anything like that. Just to just to get that spirit going and for everyone to be part of the team, even though they're working and they're all in different parts of the country. And you're, um, you, you mentioned the research. What kind of how many questions were in it? What could you just give us some of the details around that? Yeah, um, we had about 20 questions. So it wasn't an in-depth, uh, long-winded piece of research, but we tried to highlight um, certain areas of the business, things like, you know, are you looking to implement a homeworking strategy? Um, you know, what sort of age group are your people? Uh, and various other things that uh, uh, would be of relevance for the research. Yeah, things like technology, um, things like that. And do you, um, is there going to be a follow-up? You know, I imagine because this was done and it's extremely relevant and helpful just prior to the um, lockdown. Have you got any plans to do one post this period? You mean more yes. research? Yeah. Or... No, this research, as I say, was only completed um, Q1 of this year. So this is now our 2020 research, which we will have for at least another year 
and then we will do a third piece of research to support that to see where the industry's gone. What we will be doing, obviously, is running regular homeworking webinars where organisations that took part in the survey will share their experiences and update us on what's happening with their particular business and their homeworking strategy. So it will be ongoing, but it will be done really through the webinars that we have been running and the webinars that we have planned for the remainder of this year. Yeah, and I w- again, I would recommend people looking on your website to to find out um, the ones that are coming up. They're certainly they're certainly beneficial. It's interesting, isn't it? This kind of the pandemic has obviously brought homeworking to the to the fore and kind of is the number one topic and headline. What else, though, do you, have you seen specifically this year or maybe the end of last year um, that was, was going to be big for the industry and maybe it's kind of been overshadowed a bit by, by the pandemic? Um, I think social media was um, and still is big in our industry. Uh, lots of companies are have been expanding their social media teams to support their activities. Uh, customer experience, clearly, you know, making that journey. Self-service, people have been looking at that, but I don't know. People don't really want to do self-service to a certain extent. As I said earlier, they want to actually talk to a, a human being. Obviously, the other big one that's coming through is mm-hmm. AI. Um, on that basis, I mean, some of that is good, but uh, isn't perfect yet. Uh, there will be some major developments in that, I think, over the next year or so. But um, once again, some people will be happy dealing with that. Others will still want that live interaction to deal with with an actual human. Exactly. And those four big topics you mentioned there, social media, customer experience, self-service and AI. I guess you're in the lucky position that you can see people that are already up and running or have been doing it a while and are good others that are thinking about it with social media for example do you still find companies there they approach it tentatively with caution because things can very there's not much control you think or i'm saying that these are i'm not sure if this is even true but you you hear that companies are nervous because they're things can very quickly escalate. The whole point of social media is everyone has a voice and sometimes something can go viral and you very quickly lose control. It's quite a high-risk area. Is what I'm saying true? (laughs) It, It is. It is to a certain extent. I mean, social media can either work for you or against you. If you're really proactive and good, you get the message out on social media to start with then that deflects a lot of issues there. Obviously, people do turn to social media to unfortunately do a lot of complaining Mm. because they feel there's a big audience and the company will react very quickly to your issue if you're getting stonewalled, shall we say, via other other channels. Um, But um, if you get it right, social media can really work well for you and can be seen as an ally. and not at all where you're thinking, oh, no, why have we got it? I mean, there are some organisations out there that deliberately don't want to engage with customers on a social basis. Uh, And in some organisations you think would want to, 
but they've taken the decision, look, this could be a massive minefield. We're not resourced or geared up suitably to support it. Let's not have it. Let's not give them the opportunity. Let's not just deal with it at all. Whether that's the right thing or not, I don't really know. It's like um, some companies, believe it or not, in certain sectors, switch off the phones for certain lines. They say, you can't talk to us now on the phone on this subject. You must either email mm. us or, or and do it that way or write mm. a letter. It's a f- and that's partly because of the abuse they've had. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess that it's a fine line between access for customers and maintaining maintaining control so you can be consistent with your kind of the company voice as it were yeah Yeah. i mean you know if you look at the retail sector they're very good on social they've got you know really proactive um social media teams Uh, the utilities are good on that side as well because obviously you know they may get a phone call in saying hey there's a burst water main in in my road and all of a sudden they think, right, let's send the message out via social saying, if you are in this part of this town, we know there's a, a problem, you know, please don't phone mm. us. Uh, so it does do call deflection or uh, it, on some respects. But, um, yeah, that's the way of using it correctly. It's when you post something and you don't reply to people correctly, then all of a sudden you've got other people coming in, getting involved that had nothing to do with it, saying, oh, is that any way to talk to a customer or is that any way to deal with a customer? things like that which can have damage on your brand yeah definitely um thinking about the uk ccf and the the rest of the year what what's coming up that you'd want to share or or what's coming up that um you know you're particularly excited about well i mean if we were in normal times i'd be really excited about our conference our awards program the uh, networking events but obviously at the moment we can't put any of those on So what we're now doing is we've migrated all of those networking events into Mm. webinars. And what we have been doing is running approximately one webinar a week. So the guest speakers we would have invited in to a networking event, we're now turning into uh, webinars and inviting everybody to join us on that basis and then sending the recordings through to them. We are looking at doing a virtual conference this year. Uh, We have taken the decision not to run the awards for obvious reasons but we're hoping to be back with those next year bigger and better so that for us at the moment is is what we can offer uh, it's a bit of a challenging time uh, i don't the, the conferences i don't think are going on cc mm. expo has been pushed back mm. now so that's may not be going on so it's it's for us it's pushing hard on webinars and keeping the interaction and the thought leadership pieces out there via by the webinars. I guess that there, there is opportunity in, in this change, isn't there? I can, I can envisage a virtual conference. You could probably get, if I was thinking as an attendee, I, I would probably put more thought into the preparation as to where and who I wanted to listen to and therefore probably be more engaged rather than turning up, wandering around, seeing where best to, to go. How far along are you with your plans for the virtual conference? Well, we have an organisation that we're talking to at the moment. I'm hoping to have everything wrapped up next week uh, where we may be able to do that in October, November time. Great. We've already got about six keynote speakers lined up that have said they're interested in doing a 30-minute piece. That's covering social media, obviously homeworking, 
uh, web chat, customer experience, complaints handling. So we've got some speakers already lined up and um, we're just making sure that uh, we've got the technology to support us because we will be marketing this to the whole of the UK marketplace, contact centre marketplace, and hopefully going to get a good number of delegates booked in to either be there live to listen to it or to receive the recordings afterwards. Yeah, that sounds great. And we do want to make sure we get the right speakers where they're going to do a thought leadership and not a sales Yeah, page. and I know that's always been a kind of key part of what you do. And I, and I think people appreciate it. If you, you don't want to have to kind of go through that bit thinking, right, I'm either going to be sold to at the start or the end. You, you're there to, you're yeah. there to kind of collaborate with people and, and progress and learn, aren't you? Absolutely. And it's not a nice experience. I had it myself when I used to go to these events as a delegate and it was horrible. And the funny thing was I wasn't even in a position to buy anything, but yeah, they still kept phoning and emailing me and sending me letters to and everything. So uh, oh, I just like the attention. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, um, it would be remiss of me um, not to ask you maybe, um, to, you know, the end of this uh, podcast now as we're approaching the end to think, to ask you about you personally, Trevor, and the kind of lessons that you've learned and you'd want to share with people as to, you know, you're, you're CEO of a, a large organisation and have been in the industry a long time. From a kind of mentoring or lessons learned, what are some of the things you would want to share with people? And I've put you on the spot a bit there. but <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Um, well, I think... Do you mean in, in what's going on in the marketplace, well, what people should look out for? Uh, yeah, that, of course. And also just you personally, what's, you know, I think people would look at you and say, you know, you are successful. What do you put that down to? What, how have you conducted yourself and what would you want to share with someone to say, here's, here's the benefit of my experience? I think from that point of view, it's just being honest with people mm. and listening to what the audience wants, not what the suppliers mm. want. Um, and then putting on events that they feel comfortable at where they, as I said earlier, they can come along, sit next to their colleagues from same company from other companies, share their experiences and talk openly and honestly and not be sold to. I think that's, that's one of the things I've learned from the businesses to put on events that are, and, uh, and you don't put any sales pitches in also to remain impartial mm. you know as an organization we deal with all different companies within the concept center industry and suppliers and they're all trying to say well would you promote us would you promote me would you promote no mm. i can't that's not what we're about we're impartial mm. we're not a technology provider or a company it's the customer's decision what we can do is put you in front of these organisations so you can um, explain to them what's going on in the industry. It's not our, our decision. So it's the impartiality of the user group and operating this, um, a level playing field, the same rules to one company, to another, to another, and, uh, and just being honest with people and saying, look, if you want to come in and start selling, we're not the right company mm. for you. And I think I, I, I know for um, personal experience, we've benefited from that that ethos so thanks very much for that what you you um you mentioned there about the kind of um the the industry as well what is it that you love about it that's kept you in it for so long 
are the people. There are some lovely characters in this industry. It's a very people business because obviously, you know, it's it's a business where you're talking to people predominantly. There's some real characters out there and some real genuine people as well, which is what I like, um, and very loyal, which is which is great. So I think it's definitely got to be the people that uh, I, I, I uh, that attracts me into this sector very much. So. Well, Trevor, you, I would put you as one of them. So thank you very much. Thanks for, <laughs> thanks for coming on and sharing details about the research. And I'm sure um, people listening, if they haven't already, will be on the website to look for webinars. And um, I'm looking forward to the, the conference for sure. So Trevor Butterworth, CEO and founder of the UK Contact Centre Forum. Thank you very much. Thank you. See you. Take care, mate. Bye. See you soon. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. That was Trevor Butterworth, founder and CEO of the UK Contact Centre Forum. Hope you enjoyed it. If you haven't already, please do subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to. Um, Coming up next week is Marianne Rutz. It's going to be a fascinating conversation. Um, So thank you again for listening. Please do get in touch if you want to come on or you want to suggest topics or anything really. So thanks very much, everyone, and stay safe. Yay!